Welcome to episode number 77 of Off the Shelf. I want to welcome you to the Off the Shelf podcast. In this episode, Tim and I are going to continue with our interview with former message minister, Jeff Jenkins. Jeff was the pastor of Believers Christian Fellowship in Lima, Ohio for 33 and a half years before leaving the message. We will start where we left off last episode with a question Tim posed to Jeff. So I'm going to ask you, Jeff, as, we, as we've talked about this here, I, I can imagine that there are ministers, people are going to talk to their ministers about this podcast as well, message ministers. And my guess is when you came out of the message you had contact with other ministers, but the question I want to ask you is this, have you had any contact with other message ministers since you left, or do they just regard you as an unbeliever and they just haven't bothered to reach out? When I first came out, I hadn't even come out yet, actually. What I did was is I asked uh, a bunch of ministers to meet with me so that they, I wanted to be judged by a party of my own peers. So I said, I want you to tell me where I'm off, where I'm wrong. Uh, much like what you did, Rod, by coming down here, you just to sit down and say, okay, am I going nuts? Am I crazy? So I did the same thing. Now, most of the ministers that I invited would not show up because I, they considered me radioactive. It was not politically expedient for them to show up because they figured if I jumped ship and they had always been identified with me, whether it was at family camp or me preaching for them, that somehow they would be associated with what I did, and would they possibly be the next domino to go over? So it wasn't politic politically expedient for them to associate with me. So 99 and 9 tenths of them did not. And the, the ones that did only did for one hour at a lunch between here and Toledo. And then the other ones that I invited up in, in Blaine, Washington, uh, one came and then the rest of them and then another one was from a minister from my church and then thank god lance came and of course i did not know at that time that lance was also on his way out and i don't think he knew that i was on my way out and so it was just providential that he and i got together compared notes we were i spent more time up in lance's motel room as we discussed all the things that we were seeing then we would go back down and meet with the other ministers and it was like, it was how much of them were contending for the message. And it really sounded hollow and empty, even back then, seven years ago. And so now, seven years later, I've reached out to many message ministers. And many messengers have reached out to me, but not to convert me, actually. They're coming out of the message. And so they're meeting with me secretly, or their wives are meeting with me, and sometimes they were meeting with me secretly, and I would say, listen, you've got to tell your husband that you're really having a crisis, a faith crisis, and, and you've got to sit down with him. I said, I can't meet with you anymore until you talk to your husband, because he, I know he's the pastor. You've got to sit down with your own husband. And so I was telling Rod uh, before the, the podcast that I had a, a brother passed away, his son took the church over. His son had some misgivings. He had listened to the podcast that Rod and I did way back when on the cloud. And he calls me up. He's bawling. So I meet him and we talk. And so he says, would you come and spend some time at my church? We're getting rid of the minister. He was an associate minister. He said, we're getting rid of the minister. He's a message minister. He's got to go. We no longer believe Brother Brown is Malachi 4, but we don't know what to do with everything else. 
can you come teach us? So I spent a year there and this would have been the latter part of uh, 2019 and the very first part of 2020. And so I spent a year with them and they completely came out of the message. And so that's exciting. I'm very happy for them. Now they've moved into different churches. They've gotten to the place where they can accept another ministry outside of the authority of a prophet. And they're settling in and they're literally being humbled by what they're seeing in these churches and how the love of God is there and present and real. It's not some social soup supper. All the terms that Brother Branham used, it's not that at all. And I hear from them occasionally. And I just, in fact, I just heard from that former associate minister just the other day, and he was telling me he's going to a particular Baptist church. He's really enjoying it. But as for the other ministry at large, only the ones that have come out, not a soul, except for Ken Andes. Ken Andes used to be the translator for the voice of God. Ken Andes reached out to me while I was working at Lowe's one day, and he met me in the nursery. We had a great discussion. Of course, I had my view and he had his, but nonetheless, I did appreciate him coming uh, to talk to me. And then I did have a minister from Germany who was a good friend of mine. He was also my translator when I was in Holland and when I was in Germany. And he also came. But I also know some things are happening there, which I can't go into, that are really positive. So I'm hoping to meet with him also very soon. But he came and he's been nothing but a special brother and a real treat. But God's dealing in wonderful ways there too. So yeah, no, as per the ministry at large, I've had just two weeks ago, I walked into a restaurant, sit down. I recognized these two people as being message preachers. I did not know either one of their names because seven years has gone by and they were young evangelists and I just didn't remember the names. So one of them came up, introduced him to me, said, are you Jeff Jenkins? I said, yeah, we got to talking. And so I, he's, you know, I said, the reason they wanted to know, why'd you leave the message? So I told them. I said, I started where I started with Ron on the cloud was the first thing. And then, of course, none of the visions were fulfilled, like Brother Bram said, they were fulfilled from India to Africa, you name it. And so then when I went into the seven major visions, I said, like Rod used the term moving target. And so finally, he looked at me and he just said, doesn't matter what you say, my womb is closed and no other seed's going to get in there. And it was all this message jargon. It's yeah. just this message jargon. And I just thought, oh, my. I went into a lot. I took him to Romans chapter 10, like I just said a moment ago. I said, now tell me, that person that just received Jesus, is he saved? And the one guy on the other side wouldn't tell me what he felt. And the other minister says, yeah, he's saved. I said, oh, good. So he's going to be in heaven or he's going to be my brother and he's born again. No, no, no. He's not born again. He's just saved. I said, well, I said okay. I said, show me in the Bible where there's a difference between born again and saved. And so we went into that. He could not show me. And then yeah. he dove into dispensationalism. I said, and the first words out of his mouth was, it started with a prophet and it ends with a prophet. I said, yeah, that's what William Branham said. I said, but you're saying the apostle Paul was a prophet. He said, he was. He said, show me in the Bible where the apostle Paul was a prophet. Yeah. And so when you start to take apart their theology and, the, and, and their filter, the message, they have nothing. They don't have anything to stand on. They don't realize it. And that's when he said, actually, my womb is closed. You can't plant any other seed. That's been generally when I ever meet ministers, that's been my response. I've had several that come to Lowe's that are in the area because it's a lot of message churches. And we've had some real doozies and some conversations. I'm telling you that. And I've even had to apologize to one minister because I spoke to him for a half hour at work on the clock. And he came in later and 
His wife came in with him and I said, listen, I was on the clock. I shouldn't have done that. But those are my deep convictions. But I said, I should have, shouldn't have done that on Lowe's time. So anyway, it's been, it's been enlightening and I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion with them. It's, it's not an issue of pride. It's an issue of, I'm not Wile E. Coyote anymore. I'm not, I don't have thin air. I literally have terra firma. Right. It's an interesting perspective because we, gosh, we, people will send in clips of a message minister. There are several across the nation that speak very, very badly about this podcast and about Believe the Sign, the forum, and about the website Believe the Sign. And their contention, frankly, is that this is, like you say, this is a different seed. This is of Satan, and Satan's trying to do whatever Satan can in order to move you away from the message. And I bless their hearts when they start talking about how we are from Satan. And Jeff, I can't tell you how many times I have heard direct... I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard ministers say that guy that said this, he is of Satan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that is to direct fear in the hearts of their people in their assemblies. If you talk to that guy, you will be talking to Satan. If you pay attention to that guy, you will be paying attention to Satan. And we know we have the word. We're elite. We're special. We have something different. To me, one of the biggest issues is message ministers who cannot contend for their faith, so you automatically are the problem, right? They yep. can't tell you where G- where William Branham's prophecies came to pass. They can't tell you how he qualifies as a prophet of God, but you are the problem. Not William Branham or the scripture, you're the problem because you're bringing that to somebody's attention. I'm amazed that if we are no threat to them, if we are a non-issue. If we're just a, a flea on the back of a dog, then why do they devote so much time speaking about us from their pulpits? They're afraid they're losing members and numbers, or at least that people are now thinking. I think that we've definitely shifted those that have come out and have made themselves more public. We have definitely shifted the debate. It's not where it was two, three, four, five years ago. They're now having to say things like, yeah, William Branham made mistakes. No, of course, he was not infallible. You'll never hear them say that he was the divine interpreter of the word of God. And yet that's what William Branham said about himself. Hardly ever does anybody use that anymore. And so and they won't say apply the token hardly ever and say kick the TV out because everybody has a computer. Brother Branham's message was caught in time. And then we could go through Google and extract it from history, whereas the Bible is timeless, but the message is trapped in time, and now it's easy to decipher it and separate the truth from the error. Here's something that I've come to understand. Jesus said, follow me. And that group, that small group of people that actually followed him went on to turn the world upside down. Yeah. And Jesus never changed or altered that initial invitation, which was follow me. But the church eventually changed the invitation. So so when William Branham pointed out that the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, this is where the problem in the church started. And and I actually think he is correct in that, but he's correct for the wrong reason. So when he says Council of Nicaea was a problem, he's right. But William Branham said that the first person ever baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit happened at the Nicene Council. But if you actually study church history, you understand that's completely wrong. People were baptized that way hundreds of years earlier. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. William Branham said that the Council of Nicaea was where the doctrine of the Trinity was substituted for the correct oneness interpretation of the Godhead. But that's also incorrect. There were two versions of the Godhead, which were both presented at the Nicene Council. But the issue was Arianism, which is the view that Jesus was not deity versus the doctrine of the Trinity. The oneness doctrine, which was referred to as Sabellianism, was rejected by the church many years before that. And the real problem with the Nicene Council was that they shifted the invitation of Jesus. They refocused the attention from follow me to believe in me. Now, just believe in me is much easier. It's much less demanding. And in fact, it really doesn't demand anything. Just believe. The most popular statement in the entire New Testament is, maybe the most popular statement in the entire Bible is John 3.16. Whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. And and that's true. But we also read in James 2.19 that the devils also believe and tremble. And message followers often refer to themselves as believers. But if you're simply a believer, you may not be a follower. You'll be a believer, you'll be a consumer, but you won't necessarily be a follower. Jesus might not be your leader. And and Jesus told us in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. But that is not how the church is known today, not the evangelical church, not the message church. It's certainly not what message churches are known for. How loving are message churches if you question William Branham? The big problem with the Nicene Council was the church went from being behavioral and I've talked about this before, they loved each other, to being creedal. What is important is what you believe. And that is what is important in the message. Do you believe me to be God's prophet? William Branham would often say that, but that doesn't mean anything. A much more important question is, are you a true follower of Jesus? The book of Acts refers to Jesus' disciples as followers of the way. What was the way? It was the way of love. And the problem with the Nicene Council is not its view of the Godhead. Rather, the biggest problem is the Nicene Creed is missing one small four-letter word, love. What you believe is more important than how you act. And when this message minister tells you, Jeff, you can't put one contrary seed into my womb, my womb is sealed, he's telling you that the most important thing to him is what he believes, what he's received and what he believes. But Scripture tells us that there are three important things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 6, that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing. If you don't have love, you have nothing. And message followers, and sadly, most of the evangelical church in North America is missing that most important ingredient, love. They believe, but they don't love. Oh, my God. William Branham said over 400 times in over 1,100 sermons, William Branham referred to himself as a prophet of God. William Branham said, thus saith the Lord, 1,616 times in the same 1,100 plus sermons. At the end of the day, when we see William Branham's own son, Joseph, preaching to his assembly, and this specific example was a couple of years ago in a March preliminary where he spoke to his assembly and said, remember that William Branham said if that the angel came to him and said, if you get them to believe you. Yeah. The issue is, if you believe William Branham, are you following God? Are you right. following Jesus Christ? And it's a shame. 
because Joseph never says, if you follow Jesus. No. He always says, but Brother Branham says, if you believe, if you get the people to believe in you, then there's the distinction that you draw. There's the only believe. Yep. There's the issue with what he said versus what Christ would say. What's so earth-shaking about that concept where we can divide between believing a doctrine versus believing in a person. Because the only time you ever see in the New Testament the term belief is when it's tied to the person, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's never tied to a dogma. It's never tied to a doctrine. And yet the message, because of William Branham's sleight of hand, Brother Branham, he says now it's the bleeding word or it's the word made flesh. And that's code for I am the very personage. I'm the persona. I'm the person that brings you the word. And can you, as you just said a moment ago, Tim, can you believe me? And Brother Brown would quote, you know, believe in God's prophets, so shall you prosper. And then Amos chapter three, verse seven. And so all of these verses that they utilize, it goes back to this one thing. It's believing in a doctrine, except for the Bible says, believe on me and thou shalt be saved. Uh, believe what you, the man said to the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, if you believe with all your heart. And he says, I believe on Jesus. He says, and then he went yeah. down into the water and he baptized him. It was yeah. never, he was never asking us to believe in a creed or a concept. And the very word faith in, in Greek means trust. So do yeah. you trust? Trusting is about taking risk. And now you're going to behave differently because of your trust. And if there is no behavior modification, if there's no following of Jesus that goes along with your belief, you don't really believe on Jesus. You might believe in him, but you don't believe on him. And you believe about him, and you have to have a mediator yes. to do that for you. Let me read you a scripture, and I would like you guys to, do, if you wouldn't mind, to talk about the scripture in light of what we know now. You've read this a million times, and I'm sure it's freed you, but it's Hebrews 1, 1. God, having in times past spoken to the fathers through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. His Son is the radiance of his glory, the very image of his substance, and the upholding of all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purified us from our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they have. So my takeaway is in times past. It doesn't speak through prophets anymore. The believing on a prophet and what Elijah says or what Moses says, that is an old Testament model, an old concept. Now it's believing on the person of Jesus Christ who died and rose again from the dead. And that's the only time I'm asked to believe. But the, the message people do not know what to do with Hebrews chapter 1, God in times past. I, I agree with you, Jeff. What this is saying is that God has disclosed himself in his son. He's revealed himself in his son, and this is the climax and fulfillment of all previous revelation. As Peter says, we have been given everything necessary to yeah. live godly. 
Yep. So we don't need anything else. And no. this issue that, oh, everything was lost. The Bible wasn't lost. We no. actually have the word. We can read it. This was what was given to the church. We can right. read it. We have the Holy Spirit. I don't need anything else. I don't need no. a William Branham. Now, no. there are gifts in the church that help build up the church, but they don't take yes. me into faith. So no. we have as scripture says, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors sure. and teachers. These are for the edification, which just means for the building up of the church. They don't make me a Christian. They don't nope. cause me to believe. They help nope. build me up. I love that because what you're saying is the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors are given to the body of believers, but they are not authorities. They're actually there to assist as servants in the body but they never rise up to take the place of the word or speak in the name of Jesus on a, a sole authoritative level. That is history. And what we have now is these same beautiful gifts of teachers and, and gifts of healing and gifts of prophecy and gifts of government. They're all there. And it's, it's the Bible says to edify the body of Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at Matthew 11, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Just before that, starting at 13, says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. If yeah. you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Anyone who has ears should listen. Similarly, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and that's Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 16. Let me grab that real quick. There we go. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is strongly urged to enter into it. What Paul does in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, is to reaffirm or reestablish what Jesus said in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, that there is no requirement for a Gentile prophet moving forward, that you have Jesus Christ. Follow him and yep. follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. I can read from Second Peter 1, yeah. uh, verse 3. He says, his divine power, God's divine power, has bestowed on us everything necessary mm -hmm. for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. And through these things, he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature after yeah. escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. Yeah. Beautiful. We have everything we need. We do. I was looking at that scripture in John where Brother Brown violated this principle that's in John, and it's John 1, and it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the spirit of God versus the spirit of error. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, let me stop there for just a moment. He's talking about the etern eternality of Jesus Christ here, which I find very important. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. 
So according to the message, you have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in flesh and William Branham in order to get to the Father. So you cannot get to the Father without Jesus and William Branham. Where here the scripture says, no, just find Christ, acknowledge Christ. And this is paramount. It's important because if you notice, every politician can talk about God. They can evoke the name of God because it's very generic. But they will not evoke the name of Jesus. They will not do it. It cannot come from their mouth. But here the scripture says that we know we have the Father because we have the Son. And to me, this is not only inclusive, referring to the Son, but it's also exclusive, that it can't be the Son and anybody else. Here's something that I noticed, Jeff, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but this really struck me when I thought about this. And actually, my son, one of my boys, pointed this out to me. William Branham stated that he spoke squirrels into existence. Yeah. And it was at the command of a voice that spoke to him. And in referring to the voice, he described it as something said. So he said, something said, speaking right. of squirrels. In it. So was this God speaking to him, an angel yeah. or something right. else? So when right. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, something spoke to him and said, turn stones into bread. And Jesus right. was hungry and he was tempted to do what Satan right. asked him to do. And in right. the case of William Branham, he was hunting for squirrels. So why was this different from Jesus' first temptation? Right. Right? Oh, and one they, common interpretation among message believers is the third pull will manifest among believers as the ability to speak things into existence. And, of course, this is based on William Branham's testimony. But the danger of this expectation is that it forgets Jesus' first temptation. So we go to William Branham, not to Jesus, when the devil tempted Jesus to use his supernatural powers to create something from stones yeah. in order yeah. to satisfy his own hunger. And so yeah. this temptation is exactly what message believers are expecting to yield to in the future. If the tempter came to a message believer with instructions to create bread or squirrels from stones, they would give in because they would say, oh, Willie Branham said we're going to do this. This is wonderful. And you're right about the, the parallel because the parallel is that Jesus refused to toy yes. with the gift of God, whereas yes. William Branham, I find that creating squirrels is one, it's toying with the gift of God, two, it's placing a power as if William Branham was almost like Abraham, who was the friend of God, who was yeah. it had God in his back pocket. Again, I don't see this favoritism that William Branham said he had in the New Testament whatsoever. And, and yet those kind of things to me don't reflect vindication. They reflect favoritism. And I just, I, I don't see that. But Jeff, isn't that the reason though for William Branham to have told those types of stories? He was convincing people that he did have God's favor. Yes. That yeah. he had been yep. vindicated by God. Had he not yep. been vindicated by God, had he not had God's favor, message believers wouldn't believe in him because as no. because anybody can, anybody, any, and don't take this personally, but nearly anybody can preach. Not everybody yep. can be a prophet of God with God's favor. And that's, that's not it. to say that everybody can preach, but it's that it separates William Branham from the regular preacher, from the person that most people would go to service to listen to or to follow, right? That brings us to the end of this portion of our discussion with Jeff Jenkins. We will play 
the remainder of the discussion in further episodes of Off the Shelf. As always, if you have any questions, please go to our website at offtheshelf.life. There is space for comments and questions at the bottom of each episode. Or you can send us an email at rod at offtheshelf.life. Please let us know if there are any issues or questions that you think we should address or someone we should consider interviewing. Thank you very much for listening. And remember that God loves you and is not afraid of your questions. Have a great week.